Coming up on today's show, we are live on uh, New Year's Eve. We'll take a look back at 2023 and some of the numbers that jumped out. Uh, where this Bucks team is trending as well. I think a few of the areas are obvious, but uh, what needs the most work and how can the Bucks get there as the calendar flips to 2024? We'll examine all of that and to hear from all of you as well. It is today's Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia here with you today. You can also hear me on the Bucks Radio Network, where you can do so on New Year's Day as the Bucks begin a two-game series with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Also on YouTube, as many of you viewing us now. That's part of the Locked On Bucks Podcast Network. Your team every day. And today's Lockdown Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 just if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Uh, it is New Year's Eve as uh, we wait for the calendar to flip to 2024. And I think growth is a word that you'll hear kicked around quite a bit on uh, New Year's for everybody. Where do you want to grow? Where did you grow in the past? What are some opportunities for growth? And uh, that is a very apropos word to be using on this year-end edition of the show as we take a look back at a year that was uh, filled with a lot of growth opportunities for the Milwaukee Bucks, not just the 2023-24 uh, season as we're about a third of the way through that schedule already, but really, if you look back to this past year, uh, starting when that calendar flipped to January and um, how that Bucks team started to come on stronger and stronger in the second half of the season, eventually securing that number one seed in the playoffs, we saw what that resulted in for this team. If we go back a year ago today, um, the Bucks entered New Year's Day with a record of 23 and 12. So a little bit more, what, three more games that they had played a year ago than they had right now, but 23 and 12, obviously not where you were hoping to be. They actually lost at home on New Year's Day. Same scenario, by the way, as a year ago, where you had a two-game series, one of those baseball-style series with the Washington Wizards, New Year's Day, and then two days later on uh, January 3rd. However, those were both home games. This year, it's the two-game set with the Indiana Pacers, New Year's Day, and then January 3rd is on the road. But again, Bucks were 23-12 and 12 as we headed into the new portion of the calendar year a season ago. They finished the year uh, just under 60 wins. So what they did in the second half of that season was where all of that growth really started to come from. Lost just 12 games in the, uh, the final uh, portion of – the uh, season 35 and 12 down the stretch. So a much, much better play that we saw from the Bucks. A lot of that had to do with player availability too, that Chris Middleton, as we point to that 23 and 12 record, you do have to add the caveat of a lot of those games. Uh, all of those games did not include Chris Middleton. A lot of those games did not include Joe Ingles either. So that was an area where the growth started to come from, from the Bucks. We saw a season ago, as they had more pieces out there, they became much, much better. 
Uh, and that's, to me, one of the bigger differences from a season ago to this season, not just in the case of the Bucks, but league-wide. When you look at the NBA and uh, player usage, how players have played, how many games they've appeared in this season, let's just use the Bucks for the example because that's a team that we all view every single day. Giannis has missed one game this season, just one. I believe that number was eight at this time. <laughs> A season ago, Damian Lillard has only missed two games. And of course, you've had your Iron Man as well, Brooke Lopez. It seems like he's never going to miss a game. Um, so you've had a lot of that stability, and that's been important this season in a year where there's been so much change, and the Bucs are, are learning new teammates, learning a new system and schemes. And as we've cautioned, it's going to take time. I think patience, as, as we mentioned, growth is one of the bigger words to use for the Bucs this past season. Patience is that other one. As well, and that patience is starting to pay off as as we've continued to monitor those numbers and go through where that growth is coming from um, for this Milwaukee Bucks team. It's starting to get there. I know a, a couple of weeks ago, Camille and I used the verbiage of "Have they turned the corner yet?" I don't think they've turned the corner. I think we may have uh, been a little premature on that. Is is there still some growth that needs to happen on the defensive end of the floor and certainly offensively as well? It's it's been an elite group on that end of the floor, but it's not to say it's not without warts or not without some areas of improvement. And, you know, as Camille and I touched on in the last show, that's where I'm very, very interested in seeing Trevor Gleason and his impact and some of those principles that he hopes to bring to this Bucks team, specifically how you really juice that offense. I know everybody's pointed to the defense and man, I wish you would bring in a defensive specialist as uh, as that final assistant to round out the uh, the bench. It's not to say that Trevor Gleason does not bring defensive acumen with him. I think we would associate his strengths more on the uh, offensive end than defensively. Um, but some of those things we went through of the way that Trevor Gleason, the way he envisions offense, and you look back at what the Raptors did in his time there, and it's it's not to say the offense was entirely Trevor Gleason, but that was a movement system, and that's where the ball was humming around. You spotted mismatches, and you found where do we have the advantage. That's what we're going to game plan to take advantage of. Now, look, it's a little different when you have Giannis and Damian Lillard that it's, it's nice in theory and in principle to say we want an offense that attacks mismatches. I don't disagree with that, but I think you have to pick your spots with that because when you have those two guys – that are capable of scoring 30-plus on any given night, you do have to ride those hands. But I think the big part is the supplemental offense. As, as we've seen components, we've seen Chris Middleton look much, much more like the Chris Middleton offensively uh, that we've grown accustomed to seeing of late, and especially the way he's moving the ball. Two straight games where Chris Middleton now has had 10-plus assists. He has basically been your de facto backup point guard, and I know that's one of the big questions that people are going to have as we move closer to the postseason, still a ways away from that, by the way, as we move closer to that of how many of these guys are going to be playable in the playoffs. And that should be your number one question for anything that you assess for this Bucks team is, is this player an 82 player or is he a 16 player? Can we play him in the playoffs and can we play him in all scenarios in the playoffs? I do think there is some of those or are some of those questions with Cameron Payne. We've seen it throughout his career that even this year, the way he's been used. And Adrian Griffin talked about this recently as well. It's tough to find those minutes for Cam because Dame plays the duration of the first quarter. He plays the duration of the third quarter. 
that leaves about 12 minutes for Cameron Payne to really carve out there. And, and he's got to make the most of those, number one. We've also seen campaign get into foul trouble a lot, a lot more frequently early on in his tenure here with the Bucks. That takes away from it. So that was one of the bigger questions coming in when you think back too of should the Bucks pursue campaign? Reggie Bullock was the other name out there when he was cut loose just before the season started. Seemed to be a lot of a, a 50-50 split almost of, of who would you prefer. I know I I went on record saying I would have rather chased a wing player and a Reggie Bullock type, though. The way he's been used and how he's looked in Houston, it certainly appears the Bucs made the right call in chasing uh, Cameron Payne and bringing him in. But there are going to be those questions because of foul trouble, because of his size, and because what happens on days when Cameron Payne's shot isn't falling, what do the Bucs do in the postseason for that backup point guard? And I think we've gotten that answer, that it's Chris Middleton. And, and last week uh, on one of our shows, too, spent some time talking about the importance of Chris to that second unit and why this offense has become elite because you have Chris and, and Adrian Griffin loves to use the word connectors. Chris has been that connector from the, the first unit to the second unit to keep things moving, basically serve as your backup point guard. He can facilitate the offense. We know he can score. So you never have those stretches where there's no Giannis drew uh, drew no Giannis, no Dame or Chris Middleton. That's been invaluable to this team. And that's, that's something to file away and no, look, we have this in our back pocket for the postseason as well that we feel uh, if push comes to shove, when we have to really trim down the rotations, Chris Middleton can basically run that second unit and we can stagger the minutes uh, as such for this team. So uh, growth is certainly one of the things that we're going to examine as we move along here on the show today and where the opportunities really lie for this Bucks team because, you know, it's been five years now, well, four years basically that, we have examined things with the lens or under the lens of how does this make the Bucks better in a sense of positioning them to win an NBA championship. You're certainly in that window now with uh, Damian Lillard, with that acquisition, and uh, with Giannis as well. So I do want to get to some of these numbers that we've seen, the trends we've seen from this Bucks team offensively and defensively uh, throughout the course of this season. And a lot of chats already uh, coming off, so we'll get to those uh, those chats along the way and, and some of the questions that you guys bring up here on the uh, show. We'll get to the, the numbers and where the growth has come from from the Bucks so far this season and address some of the comments you're starting to leave coming up next on Lockdown Bucks. It is time to uh, talk to you, though, about FanDuel as uh, the weather gets warmer. The NFL season, weather not getting warmer, it's getting colder. NFL season is wrapping up with that cold weather. So it's time to get in on the action with FanDuel. They're America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is easy to use for FanDuel, and there's many different ways you can bet. You can do live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find all the popular parlays that are out there. All of that and more on FanDuel. So it's very simple. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and to make your first bet. FanDuel, official betting partner of the NFL. 
All right, I mentioned we would get to some of the numbers here. And uh, look, we've pointed out that November 3rd date all season long. And I'm going to continue to uh, to mention this on any platform, whether it's here, the post-game shows, any shows on WTMJ, anything. This is not cherry-picking. And I think a lot of times that does exist with statistics in any sport, advanced stats, analytics. It's great in that it gives you some supplemental information and different ways to analyze what you're seeing to see, does this match the eye test? The bad part is you can find a number to tell any story that you want, and you can shift it anyway. And I think we've certainly seen that at times, especially when you look at smaller sample sizes. Um I know there's the efficiency landscape that's put out there. We all love to retweet it and look at it whenever the Bucks are towards the top. That's a 10-game sample size. Uh, 10 games is still not a whole lot. It's great to view in segments, and I think Billy Donovan especially, coach of the Bulls, will talk about 10-game chunks, that we look at those chunks to see how did we get better from this one to this one. Not so much we were great here and we were bad here. It's where did our growth come from, from point A, to a point B. So I think that's the important way to analyze any of those smaller sample sizes that you'll come across. But again, we've used that magic date of November 3rd quite a bit this season because that's when you put Brooke Lopez back into the uh, drop defense. And from that point forward, let's just start with the overall numbers for the Bucks. So as we head into uh, 2024, there are still six games being played tonight. That includes the Boston Celtics, by the way. So a chance you could gain some ground on them, though very unlikely as, as they're taking on the San Antonio Spurs. But as we move into 2024, as of this moment, the Bucs have the second-best offense in the league. And after what the Pacers did last night against the Knicks, they added a little separation. Pacers have a, a 122.3 offensive rating. The Bucs had an even 121. Second-best offense in the league. Defense for the Bucs, 115.3. That is 17th in the league. It is obviously not great. But the good news is the Bucs are very, very close, within striking distance. For all intents and purposes, they're 15th. The Raptors are 15th at 115.2. Warriors are 16th at 115.2. And the Bucs sit at 115.3. So they are currently 17, but there's not a whole lot separating 20 through 15. So there could be even more movement between now and when we speak again. But in net rating, a lot of this has to do with the offense. But in net rating, the Bucks have suddenly moved up to fourth at a 5.7. Now that number, not what we've come to expect from not just the Bucks, any great team. It started to take a little bit of a step backward uh, a season ago when the best net rating in the league belonged to the Boston Celtics, who were under seven at a 6.7. The year before that, it was the Suns at a 7.5. And the year before that, it was the Jazz at a 9. So we've seen that number start to drop lower and lower. In the 1920 season, when the Bucks were at one point on pace to win, what, 73, 74 games, they had a net rating of 9.4. So this number has gone from routinely close to 10 to dropping lower and lower and lower every single year. But Right now, the Bucs have the fourth-best net rating. And early in the season, that number was almost flat, even after that November 3rd day, because your offense was just okay. It wasn't quite elite just yet. Your defense was bad. So that number was much, much closer to a being flat. It's gone up, and, and, and it's gone up considerably since that November 3rd date. It's gone up considerably in the month of December, which we'll get to. 
But as, as we've continued to mention, and the teams in front of you, by the way, 76ers, who have a 10.3 net rating, they have played a very, very similar schedule to the Bucs. The difference is Joel Embiid has missed a lot of games recently now. And also, Philly is just blowing out bad teams. And, and I suppose that's not fair. Some okay opponents that they've blown out as well, but they're winning a lot of games by blowout. That's adding to that separation. Celtics have a 9.7. I think on the eye test so far, you would say the Boston Celtics, year-to-date, they've been the best team in the league, top to bottom. Then you have the Oklahoma City Thunder, who, if if you follow the Western Conference, are all of a sudden making it very interesting, similar to the Bucs in that 2018-19 season, Bud's first year, where it was, is this team already ready to make the leap? That's what we're saying for teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder specifically, and to a lesser extent, the Minnesota Timberwolves this season. They're 8.4 are the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder and then the Bucks. So you do have a rather steep drop-off once you get past those first three teams. But with that word of growth, if we go back to that November 3rd date, Bucks' offense is a 122.3. So uh, about a point and a half per 100 possessions better than where it is for the season as a whole. Their defense is a 114.8. And that 122.3, by the way, still second best in the league, just behind the Pacers, same margin as, as the season total. Defense is a 114.8, so just slightly better than where they currently sit. And that is good enough for 14th in the league. And again, you are less than a point per 100 possessions behind the Clippers and the Heat, who are 13 and 12, respectively. And the net rating for the Bucks 5.7 year-to-date. It's 7.4 since November 3rd. Much, much closer to what we see traditionally from those top teams, still fourth best and still behind the Thunder, Sixers, and uh, the Boston Celtics. But the month, the month of November specifically, December, I knew I would do it. Month of December specifically, the Bucks finished 11-2. and two, And that right now is tied with the Celtics and the Clippers for most wins in the league. It's a very high likelihood the Celtics are going to finish December with the most wins as they play the Spurs tonight. But... That Bucks offense, 126.1 in the month of December. Best in the NBA. Celtics are next in line at 125.7. After that, it's the Clippers at 122.6, but that's a sizable drop. And those three teams have been the best in the month of December, top to bottom. Defensive rating in December for the Bucks, 115.8. That is 12th. And you may say, well, that number's higher than the season as a whole, and, and as that since November 3rd date, and yet their ranking goes up. And again, that speaks to where this league is at and that it is a much more offensive league. We see the offenses get better as the season progresses. So in December, 12th best offense, uh, 12th best defense, best offense, and second best net rating, trailing only the Philadelphia 76ers, 10.4 net rating for the Bucks in the month of uh, December. So that's where that growth has really started to come is the offense is getting elite and the defense has basically now for what, two months, been a league average defense, maybe slightly better than league average. That's where we saw the Denver Nuggets sit a season ago. They had, I believe, the 15th best defense going into the postseason. You had Nikola Jokic. You knew you could score. That group was elite. I know Denver came up with stops when they needed them. I know they had some good wing defenders. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, very, very good. Aaron Gordon, very good and very versatile. The Bucs have two very good individual defenders you would point to. They've gotten more stops as they've needed them. 
when games have progressed. You think back to the most recent game um, as well against the Cavaliers, where Adrian Griffin said we had two elite defensive quarters. That was the second and third where they held Cleveland under 30 points. And we just made enough plays down the stretch. That has kind of been the most constant thing we have seen from the Bucs defensively so far this season. They're piecing it together at the right time, but they have gotten stops for the most part when they've needed them. So I, I think that's what we've started to see this league move towards is you need to be elite on one of those two ends and you just have to be a little better than average on the other one where you either got to get the stops when you need them or you got to have a play, a bread and butter that you know we can go to this if your elite skill set is defensively. We can go to this and get a bucket when we absolutely need it. I think that's what the league has shifted towards now much, much more than what it was in the past of you got to have a top 10 defense. It's not to say you can be bad defensively because you can't. You cannot be bad defensively or offensively. You've got to be just good enough and great in those uh, two areas. It doesn't matter which one is um, is which. So, again, growth that we've continued to see. You can point to the schedule, and that's fine. That's fair. The Bucks have not played a terribly challenging schedule, but you can only play who's in front of you, and they're winning these games. And I think most importantly, too, Think back to the first couple of weeks of the season and how many times we mentioned that word of clutch. How many times have we mentioned it since? I know they had a clutch win recently. It was against the Cavaliers because it was close towards the end. Um, but we haven't really had to point to that of late because the Bucs have started to separate themselves and not rely on those late-game situations as much as they did to start the season. Again, a lot of that had to do with being new, we're learning a new scheme, new system, new teammates, all of that. But they moved away from that, and they're beating the teams that they should beat. I think that is something that does need to get recognized. We know the schedule is going to get more difficult in March especially, but as long as you're not putting yourself in a hole and saying, look, when the schedule gets tough, we got a lot of work to do because we got to crawl out of this hole. That's the important part. And so far, that's what the Bucks have uh, done this season. Uh, I do want to take a look back at what we've seen for the team and some players as well since the start of that six-game homestand, because that came right after that in-season tournament semifinal loss to the Indiana Pacers. All the chatter of what may or may not have happened in the locker room and how much of a catalyst Bobby Portis was for that, it, it's, it's noticeable that we've seen a lot of differences in this team from that point forward. So I do want to take a look at, uh, at some of those numbers when we come back, and again, uh, a lot of comments to get to. We will do that in our uh, final segment of the show. Coming up next on Locked on Bucks. Well, it is time now to uh, talk to you about prize picks. They are the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They're also the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because it's just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of other players, pros and sharks, you don't know what you're getting into with prize picks. It's simple. You just pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections. And from there, watch the winnings roll in. You can play alongside some of prize picks, favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week and prize picks most importantly even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured 
For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half, that player is then rebooted. Prize Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an insurance policy. It's very simple. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That web address again is prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and the code locked on NBA L O C K E D O N N B A. Use that code and you'll get a first deposit match up to $100 only on prize picks. And uh, for those of you viewing us on this live show on YouTube, uh, another show that may interest your channel, I should say, is the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Lockdown has just launched it. It is on YouTube, Lockdown Sports Today. It is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with local experts of Lockdown and all the national shows, all of our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Uh, going back to some of those numbers, if we look back at December 11th, that's the date that the Bucks kicked off a six-game homestand, then had the four-game road trip to a close out the year. From that date forward, the Bucks have gone nine and one. And offensively, second best in the league, only to the Boston Celtics. Defense. And I know I just lectured on 10-game sample sizes, but defensively, 114.7. That is 11th in the league, and it is less than a point per 100 possessions away from being a top six defense in the league. Net rating, 11.1. That is third best as well. So all of these numbers point to things trending in the right direction. And again, I don't care who it is the Bucs are beating. 76ers are doing the same thing. Same schedule, almost identical in terms of opponent win percentage. They're blowing teams out. That's the big difference. If the Bucs are winning these games by 20 or more points, the conversation is much different. But winning is all that matters at this point in the season. Finding new ways to win and winning close games. The value that the Bucs have gotten from that early in the season, I think, is very, very important uh, as well. But what stands out is for a while we were talking about Giannis and his efficiency. He's still been efficient this season. Um, since that date of November, I did it again, December 11th in those 10 games played just under 32 points a game. His efficiency has dropped. He's only shooting 59% from the field, um, but he's a 70% free throw shooter. And that's another area we haven't really talked about a lot. That's gone way up. He's getting more than 12 rebounds a game, six assists a game as well. He's got a triple double, eight double doubles. In those 10 games, Giannis has become much, much more consistent. But the other part, and it's going to continue to be the other part, is Damian Lillard. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, all of a sudden it snuck up on you where we had the conversation of don't worry, Dame gets off to slow starts a lot. And then I think a lot of us may have panicked and reached out to people in Portland saying, is it usually like this? I, I anticipated Damian Lillard would look a little bit different here. But that has started to change as well. And in this 10-game this sample of Dame, about 27 points a game, but he's shooting 45% from the field, 40% on his threes. Those two pretty constant with where he's been for the last six or so weeks as well. He has given you that consistency and that efficiency, and that in turn has opened up everything for Giannis and Giannis's playmaking 
Chris Middleton as well. Uh, offensively, a much, much different Chris. He's only missed one of those uh, 10 games. 18 points a game in efficiency. 50% from the field. 36% on his threes. Uh, but six assists a game as well for Chris. So you look at that. Six-plus assists a game for Giannis. Six-plus assists a game for Dame. Six assists for Chris Middleton. Your top three guys are scoring the ball and moving the ball uh, as well. Those have been big, big keys for the Bucs so far um, this season. All right. In the limited time we have left, I promised all your comments. We have not gotten to any yet. So we'll uh, we'll get into the biggest things that are on your mind. Uh, a lot of nervousness over this Pacers series here. I swear if we lose to the Pacers tomorrow, I'm going to be so mad. Um we need to win these two games against the Pacers to win the series, and that's correct. That uh, you're right now just one and two against the Indiana Pacers. You lose one of these two games, you lose the season series, and if you need it, the head-to-head tiebreaker, though the Bucs have started to add that separation that early in the season you wondered, are the Bucs going to need to win this head-to-head series? Is this going to be a question of who wins the Central Division? Um that no longer appear, appears to be the case. And look, the Pacers have gone through um, a decent amount of struggles of late, but they've appeared to turn the corner. Another big win last night against the New York Knicks and Tyrese Halliburton back-to-back 20-point, 20-assist games. And I don't believe uh, he has any turnovers in those uh, those two games. Actually, no, he had two against the Knicks. So he has, uh, what, 43 assists and two turnovers in his last uh, two games, does uh, does does Tyrese Halliburton. Um, still a little concerned we're mostly buying fool's gold here. Still have to wait to see uh, that this team can prove and complete, compete with good teams, Robbie points out. And again, it's valid to bring up when we point to the schedule that the Bucs have played. It has not been difficult. It has by no means been one of the more difficult schedules in the league. They have um, a top five remaining schedule in terms of opponent win percentage and most difficulty from here on out. It may even be number one. I haven't checked recently, but it does get much more difficult. So they're valid concerns. I think the only thing I would point to is, you know, this isn't a team that's new to the scene. If, if this were the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Minnesota Timberwolves that were doing this, then it's it's – Fair may not be the right word, but you would hear that brought up a little bit more. I think we've seen this group do it. Maybe not this exact group with with Damian Lillard and 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 some new players in there and a new coach too. Um, but that to me is the biggest difference. Is you still have what you know those proven commodities and Giannis and Dame and with Dame overall, but not with this team. Giannis and Chris and uh, and Brooke Lopez. The, this is the big one to me from Ryan. Having a good half court offense, such a refreshing upgrade. It is so hard for opposing teams to get necessary stops in the fourth quarter to come back. And um, shame on me for not having this one ready, but um, I did look this up the other day. And again, it's a smaller sample size, but this Bucks half-court offense has been very, very good so far uh, this season. We, we kind of kicked around the impact that Damian Lillard would have on this uh, on this group. And... I think we've started to see that. Now, this was before that game against the Cavaliers, so this is a couple of days old. But with the trio of Giannis and Dame and Chris Middleton on the floor, Bucks had an offensive rating over 128. 122 is their season total. So over 128 was their defense or offensive rating. 111.5 is the defensive rating 
with that trio on the floor. So that would be right around seven or eight for the uh, the totals this season and almost a 17 net rating. But to that point that, uh, that we just touched on from uh, Ryan about the half-court offense, 113.1 offensive rating in the half-court. It may not seem good. That would be number one in the league in terms of half-court offense and the efficiency there. So that's been the biggest change for this Bucks team is it's not just we got to create turnovers and score on the fast break. You have Damian Lillard who can open things up. I think that has made Chris Middleton even more of an elite offensive player in the half court because you, you think back to the last few years and it was, we're going to wall off Giannis and good luck, Chris, or we're going to shift our attention to Chris Middleton and we're just going to make Giannis shoot from the outside. Now, Chris Middleton becomes that tertiary score that really changes things um, for him. And I think is, is one of the bigger reasons Damian Lillard's going to get the attention, but one of the bigger reasons why this offense has looked much, much better in the half court. Uh, do you see Marjan and uh, Andre Jackson Jr. being in the playoffs rotation? I think they could be very impactful and provide energy off the bench. It's going to be tough. Um, I don't think you'll see both of them in there. And look, a lot of this has to do as well with when you get Jay Crowder back and assuming you get the Jay Crowder back that you had prior to that injury. Still a couple of weeks away. I know before the Cavs game, Griff said he is progressing very, very nicely. Um, but there's no timetable yet for uh, for Adrian Griffin or for Jay Crowder to make his return. I, I believe the initial prognosis when he first went out, it would line up for somewhere around mid-January, uh, maybe around the 20th, somewhere in, in, in that area for Jay Crowder to make his return to the floor. But it's getting close. He's going to be a big key because, you know, you think about all the guys that you trust, and, and that is what it ultimately comes down to is the playoffs are different. Who do you trust on both ends of the floor? I think we've seen more and more trust, not that you should ever question it, but as, as we kind of cautioned before the season, it's a different coach, and that could mean different things for different players. I think we've seen that trust from Adrian Griffin and Pat Connaughton. He definitely has it in, um, in Jay Crowder as well and look assuming your starters are going to remain unchanged you're up to seven players there Cameron Payne is going to be used to some extent as well Bobby Portis too so there you're up to nine for a playoff rotation it's not to say changes can't come along the way but nine is probably what you're going to roll with in that playoff rotation setting and it's going to be tough for for a rookie and a second year player to to crack that and be consistent contributors as much as we want it. You're going to have to see a lot in the second half of the season, and especially in the case of Andre, I think Andre's the guy that you've been most impressed with and has shown you a lot more this season uh, that really portends well for him. And, and Adrian Griffin has talked about this quite a bit as well. That I don't know when it is, but he's going to be a very 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 big part of of this group going forward. Um, it's still a lot to ask of a rookie to to work through all of that and then do it in the playoffs as well. So that's where I would uh, really temper the uh, the expectations. Kind of speaking of what we said um, throughout the course of this show, we really should look at the Bucks a little differently. If we agree that this team is still figuring things out and still getting wins, I think there is reason for optimism. And again, it's not to say there isn't reason. I don't know if concern is the right word, but not to say there's nothing to be worried about, that there's nothing to fix here. But I, I do believe there should be a lot more optimism 
um, than maybe where we anticipated there would be uh, early in the season when we were really questioning, is this defense going to work? I've been impressed with, with growth that we've seen. And I'm not saying impressed in the sense that the Bucs have been one of the best defenses in the league. But from where it started to where it got, and again, a lot of that is a credit to Adrian Griffin for recognizing, regardless of what you think the idea was or what you think of the idea to play that way with Brooke Lopez coming into the season, for him to recognize this isn't working, I took input from the players, we're going to this. That's what's impressed me the most is this defense has just made enough of those plays, and they've been okay by and large. They've had moments where they have not been okay, and they have been bad, but I think overall you would say the defense has been okay. Uh, defense is still the key, as Nick says. Uh, watched Lakers and T-Wolves last night. The amount of effort and athleticism those teams have night and day compared to the Bucs. And sure, there's a, a handful of those teams. The Celtics, too. That is going to be the Bucs' biggest issue. Um, with those matchups against the Boston Celtics, which we get another one in two weeks, by the way. Um, but I think when you watch the Bucs, and again, a group that still isn't fully there offensively, um, those are the differences that the Bucs can point to. Well, we have this offense that we don't think other teams have and can rely on. Um, and then Ryan points out, too, the Denver thing that we brought up earlier in the show. Is that the exception? Or is that the new rule? Is that the outlier of what we saw from the Nuggets last year? An elite offense, very good in the half court, and a defense that was just good enough. Is that what we're going to see going forward? If you're the Bucks, you're hoping and uh, you're banking on this is, in fact, what we see going forward because that's the way the Bucs are going to win. As we just took some questions on Marjan and, and Andre Jackson, um, those are your best routes, or they may be your best routes for improving defensively this season because, again, not sure. I am going to try to. I know we talked about it with Frank. I talked about it with Eric Name as well. Um, try to get an answer. Are the Bucks out of that second apron? They're very close. If they're in it, that's basically it. You got to develop Andre Jackson Jr. and Marjan, and that may be your best route for improving defensively. If they're not, then that opens them some things up for uh, for for some some avenues that you can have for a player acquisition and improving things on the defensive end. We'll get into all of that in much more detail as we move closer to February and the uh, trade deadline. We did have a trade yesterday, um, by the way, and an interesting one that uh, sent OG Ananobi to the New York Knicks. So they, you know, interesting about the Knicks in those matchups that the Bucs had had with them this season, still a little undersized. Um, obviously, with no Mitchell Robinson and, and having Julius Randle, but you think about their wings, you know, R.J. Barrett, and uh, Josh Hart were playing a lot, a lot of minutes at the three, and now this allows OG Ananobi to do that, which will be helpful there. But they do lose a lot of offense and shooting with uh, Emmanuel quickly, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But we got our first big trade of the season, and now in the next uh, five, six weeks, we anticipate a lot of that are uh, are is going to be um, starting to pop up once uh, once more. Uh, we will have a post game show. Tonight, tomorrow night, depending on when you uh, listen to this show. But for that New Year's Day matchup against the Bucks and uh, the Indiana Pacers, I believe it's going to be Camille and Frank. Uh, but we will have a post-game show for you nonetheless. I do want to thank everybody that jumped in the uh, chat. We had quite a few comments today. And, and again, this is something that we're going to do every Sunday morning, same time at 10 a.m. We'll do the live show then. Field your, uh, your questions, your comments. 
and uh, get into anything that happened over the weekend. By the way, the Pistons won last night, so that losing streak is no more. Um, but this will be a Sunday staple for us go forward. I do appreciate everybody that jumped in here and uh, interacted with the show and throughout the course of the season as well. Camille and I touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, very much appreciate everybody that continues to support the show, all the everydayers that are out there and, and listen to us every single day. Uh, no one can replace Kane Pittman, but uh, you guys have welcomed me and Camille on this show. So I, I do very much appreciate that. I just talked with Kane last night, by the way. I believe we're still trying to, to set something up with uh, Kane, but um, you know he's a big shot now with ESPN, so there's more channels that uh, we have to go through. But uh, thanks very much for your continued support of this show, of me, Camille, and certainly of Frank as well. All of us uh, appreciate it. You guys truly are the best fans out there and to make this job very enjoyable to uh, do on a, a daily basis. So uh, continue to check back for those live shows as Camille and I have done a handful of those recently, but we will certainly do one every single Sunday going forward. I do wish everybody has a very, very happy and safe new year out there. And uh, we will reconvene New Year's Day with some more basketball breakdowns on the post-game show for the Bucks and uh, the Indiana Pacers. We will talk to you uh, then. Until next time, so long.